Welcome to Moonshot, I'm Christopher Lawson. And right now, the global economy has suffered significantly due to the coronavirus. We've seen some sectors like travel almost shut down entirely. And the impact of those shutdowns has been monumental. And for many, the ongoing nature of this pandemic has felt a little bit hopeless. That is, of course, unless you work or invest in tech. As we all stopped going into the office, we jumped online and started having Zoom meetings and learning new skills. And for some, this time at home was an opportunity to experiment and to invest. And despite the downturns elsewhere in the economy, many retail investors actually made some significant money. GameStop's stock is surging. Two hedge funds started shorting stock in the retail store GameStop, meaning they had bet against it and needed it to drop in price for their investments to be successful. Experts say small investors working together have been buying shares in GameStop and other firms to push their prices up and inflict losses on the big funds. Recently, we saw the explosion in trading for GameStop as the Wall Street Bets subreddit all turned their attention towards the stock, driving the price up and forcing short sellers to close their position, with some major hedge funds losing significant capital in the process. Many thought the price would rise and then it would crash. But GameStop is still trading at around $150, way up from the couple of dollars it was at the start of the pandemic. And we've seen this kind of thing previously in the cryptocurrency market. Bitcoin has in the past rallied significantly and then crashed, but overall it's trended up. And right now, Bitcoin is trading at near all-time highs of around 60,000 US dollars. And this has partly been driven by Elon Musk, who's been tweeting constantly about cryptocurrencies. And Tesla has now decided to accept Bitcoin as a form of payment for your vehicle. But one of the other cryptocurrencies that Elon has been tweeting about is Dogecoin. Dogecoin is a joke cryptocurrency, and Elon's tweets also inspired his community to try and make something happen with Dogecoin. So now that community is on a mission to drive the price of Dogecoin up. And I want to explore what's going on at the end of this episode. But before that, I want to take you back to an interview I had in 2018 with one of the co-founders of Dogecoin, Jackson Palmer. I want to play that recording to remind you of where Dogecoin came from, and then we'll come back and revisit where Dogecoin is right now. You'll also hear my co-host Andrew Moon throughout this episode. So I'll bring you that 2018 interview with Dogecoin co-founder Jackson Palmer right after this quick break. Dogecoin was a was kind of a joke currency to begin with, a parody, if you will. Um, one day I was checking out all the prices of the, of the altcoins. Back then there were only maybe 50 to 100. And as I was checking out the prices of them, I noticed one was kind of coming on the scene every couple of weeks. So my name's Jackson Palmer, and uh, I'm the creator of Dogecoin. Um, I created that back in 2013. Uh, and when I'm not involved in cryptocurrency, uh, by day, I'm a product manager in the Bay Area. And this all happened around the, the same time in late 2013 that the, the Doge meme was really popular. And for those that are unaware, um, the Doge meme is the picture of that dog, the photo of the dog looking into the camera. It's a, it's a Japanese breed of dog called the Shiba Inu. Somebody had commented online, you know, saying, um, 
know, look at that doge as kind of like a, a play on dog with an E on the end. So um, it was a popular meme and my brain just kind of, uh, you know, I, I think I'd had a beer at the time. I was sitting down and uh, just put two and two together and, and came up with Dogecoin. So you, you started it as a joke. That's right. Yeah. When I started it, it wasn't actually a thing. It was it, it started its life as a tweet that was, you know, comically kind of saying, uh, I'm going to invest in Dogecoin. I think it's the next big thing. And at that point, it was it was it was nothing more than a tweet. Um, I then purchased the domain name Dogecoin.com and put up a, a superimposed image of the meme over a coin and, and said, hey, it's a crypto, it's a parody cryptocurrency. And it only took a few days for that that kind of joke in itself to, to go viral. Um, and a few days later, somebody else reached out to me um, who was in the US at the time um, and saying, hey, why don't we, you know, just for kicks, make this a, a real thing um, just so we can both kind of learn how the code of, of, of Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies works. How long did it take you to actually turn it into a coin? Yeah, the um, for the first release, most of the work, most of the you know, there wasn't a lot of work, but it was done by um, my co-founder Billy, and it, it, it was honestly a matter of a find and replace uh, in the in the Bitcoin source code um, or a variation on the Bitcoin source code. So it was really just find and replace Bitcoin with Dogecoin, um, change a few numbers, and um, build it. So all in all, maybe about three hours of of development work. Um, yeah, you know, if that. When you look at the various cryptocurrencies in circulation, it turns out that while Bitcoin was the first, it definitely isn't the best when it comes to scalability. The huge interest in Bitcoin in recent months has actually caused the network to slow down significantly and transaction costs to skyrocket. That's a problem that can only be fixed if a significant portion of Bitcoin holders migrate to new software. And every time that has been attempted so far, it's failed. After Bitcoin went live and people began to realize the problems with its source code, many people just cloned the source code and started fixing the things that they thought were wrong. Some people even rebuilt the entire code base to implement different ideas or use different cryptographic algorithms. And all of this has resulted in some very interesting altcoins. Litecoin was one of the first competitors. It aimed to improve on Bitcoin by using a different algorithm to authenticate the network. And getting technical for a moment, Bitcoin uses SHA-256 and Litecoin uses script spelt with a Y. Litecoin also reduces the block times from Bitcoin's 10 minutes down to two and a half, meaning blocks of transactions can be processed faster something that's vital for a cryptocurrency developed with a goal of making money transfers across borders instantaneous. Ethereum is another cryptocurrency that's taken the world by storm. Ethereum is the secure backbone for everything from e-commerce to the Internet of Things. Ethereum has reduced the block time even further, down to around 14 seconds. There's two other big selling points that's led to Ethereum's quick rise. One, other apps can be built on its code base, extending the possibilities for developers. And Ethereum has also pioneered the idea of smart contracts, or contracts that are tied directly to the exchange of the currency. This opens up the potential for Ethereum to be used beyond being traded just as a coin, an idea that we'll explore more in our next episode. But back to Dogecoin, and while it may have started as a joke, Jackson and his co-founder Billy still had to decide on how their technology might improve on some of the limitations of Bitcoin. When we were discussing kind of like what the magic numbers would be, 
magic numbers are really just variables that kind of define how the currency shapes up. And, you know, in Bitcoin's case, you know, a, a block is mined every 10 minutes. That's when all the transactions get processed every 10 minutes. And they have 21 million coins um, in total that can ever be mined through that process. Um, with Dogecoin, um, we, we said, well, you know, it's a joke. So let's have 100 billion coins um, as a reference to, to the Austin Powers <laughs> series of films and Dr. Evil, uh, $100 billion. And, um, and we, we made the, the block time uh, just one minute instead of 10 minutes. So every one minute, all the transactions get processed. Um, and these were just you know, the, the reasons we made these decisions were, were kind of random. But at the same time, we were trying to make it so that it would um, be mined out very quickly. Whereas Bitcoin is going to take you know, um, decades to get completely mined out of that 21 million. Um, Dogecoin was designed in a way that um, after about a year, the the whole thing would be mined out. It would, um, and you know, you wouldn't be able to mine it anymore or that the cap would be hit. When did you realize that this thing was, was starting to become more than just a joke? Yeah, well, because it was a joke um, and, and Billy and I didn't really have and, he, you know, he had a gaming PC. I didn't even have a, a PC that was re- capable of mining at the time. And so neither of us really had put, like, a concerted effort into trying to accumulate any of the currency. We, we You know, he, he mined a little bit for the both of us early on. We put it just on the forums, and I tweeted, hey, you can actually use it right now, just kind of thinking that, again, it would be a joke and that, you know, a week later it would be, you know, last week's fad and, you know, nobody would be talking about it. What happened quickly, though, is... is you know, Billy contacted me after about a day and said, hey, there's too many people mining this thing. We can't mine it anymore. It's it, There's all this computing power being pointed at this network. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's got a dog on it. Like, <laughs> this can't be real. Um, you know, why are people doing that? And uh, at this point, it wasn't even listed on an exchange. So you couldn't trade it for, for actual money in any way. So it's kind of like, what, have people gone mad? And um that kind of, you know, insanity didn't really ease up. It was just a constant barrage of, you know, that was the first moment where we were both like in shock. And then, you know, flash forward a week later and, and you know, uh, we're getting contacted by the media and flash forward another week. And there's like, you know, 30,000 users on Reddit that are into it. And um, it just kind of went viral in its own right. Dogecoin exploded in popularity. And as Jackson said, they didn't actually make that much money from the coin's growth. If we look more broadly at the cryptocurrency space, there's also been a number of security issues at various exchanges over the life of Bitcoin. Bitcoin has also proven to be a great vehicle for people that are trying to hide their identity, making it a currency of choice for people trying to launder money or commit serious crimes. And that's actually where our current centralised systems of money actually shine. Banks play a very key role in identifying fraudulent transactions, and they also provide protection in case things go wrong. Just think of any time where you've had a scammer get hold of your credit card Often you can get a refund from the bank for everything that was taken from you. So I wanted to ask Jackson how you might actually prevent fraud in a digital currency. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the there is no way really, and so one of the things, one of the the consequences um, that you you know, or um, the considerations that you accept when you enter into using something like Bitcoin is that everything that you do is forever, um, and so. If, if you accidentally, if you mess up and you lose your password, that's, that's your own fault and you lose that money forever. Likewise, if, if, you, if you accidentally um, 
you know, send money to somebody who isn't who they say they are, or you send money to somebody that's a scam, um, there's no recourse for you. You can't go to your credit card company and say, hey, cancel that transaction. It's done and it's forever. So what it means is that, you know, the average person has to be a lot more vigilant um, in in what they do. And I think the best analogy I, I think there is, it, you know, using something like Bitcoin is akin to having, you know, your entire life savings in cash um, stored underneath your mattress. And um, if you lose that, that's on you. You know, there's no, um, there's no blaming anybody else. If you give some of that cash to somebody who's bad, they can run off with it and never, you'll never get to see it again. Likewise, you can be robbed of it. <laughs> that must be a limitation of of cryptocurrencies in terms of like widespread adoption, right? Because uh, you know it would be very difficult for me to like get my mum to to sign up to a cryptocurrency and then you know use that for day to day transactions when there's that concern over well, what happens if I do something wrong? Yeah, absolutely. I think um the kind of people that are that are very hardcore into this stuff and you know are true believers in bitcoin would say well people have to get smarter and people have to take on that risk you know it's just a natural thing that they have to do um and I, and i think that that aligns with many kind of libertarian ideals that i don't necessarily see eye to eye with but people say that everybody should be responsible for their own actions right um I think the history of banking in the financial sector has shown us that the average person doesn't necessarily want to be their own bank, um, that they like some of those reassurances that they have. Um, and so I agree. I think it's a huge um, barrier to, uh, to entry or mainstream adoption. So what's happened as a result of that is that centralized um, wallets or places you can put your cryptocurrency, services like Coinbase, I think in Australia there's Coinjar um, and a few others, have popped up over the years um, where you can store it and you you have you don't have to worry about you know having your your secret keys stored away somewhere in your house um, the side effect of that though is that those services can be hacked in a traditional sense so if somebody hacks their servers they can run off with all your money and so um, again you know you lose that whole benefit of not relying on a bank that Bitcoin was originally supposed to, to protect against right um, so it's it if you're using a service like Coinbase or something else, you're you're in effect just using a bank, and you know it, it. I don't really understand the point of Bitcoin then. And we'll have more of our interview with Dogecoin founder Jackson Palmer right after this break. Andrew here. Now, before the break, we were talking with Jackson Palmer, the creator of Dogecoin, a cryptocurrency that started as a joke and then turned into something that, at the time of our interview, had a market cap of 700 million US dollars. And it's worth acknowledging, if you find some of these concepts confusing, you are not at all alone. Chris and I are doing our best, but this world is new, ever-changing and confusing even for those who spend every day in it. Exactly. I was actually speaking to Jackson about one of the videos on his YouTube channel on privacy coins, and he told me that it took him six months to boil down the incredibly complex set of differences to regular coins and explain it in a way that people can actually understand. So if one thing is easy to understand, it's that this topic is not easy to understand. And here's the other thing. 
when you look at cryptocurrencies in general, there's a whole discussion happening as to whether cryptocurrencies are best used as money or as a store of value like gold. It's very difficult to go down to your local store and use Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency to actually buy any products. And this issue is also something that Jackson has been thinking about. I think that 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 operates under the assumption that something like um, that Bitcoin or any of these currencies is is two things. One, that it has any intrinsic value and two, that it is finite. Um, I think something like gold or silver, um, in, in addition to having, you know, obvi- obvious uses in, in medical, in the medical space, in electronics, in um, jewelry, um, where, where, where it's valued as an actual tangible material, um, these, these resources have a finite supply, right? Um, and not an artificially finite, I'm talking a, a real finite, i.e. there is only so much gold on the planet that will ever exist. With something like Bitcoin, you know, somebody would come back and say the argument is, oh, well, Bitcoin's capped at 21 million. There'll only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. But because it's just software, as we've seen in the last year, there's there's no nothing stopping somebody going and forking that and creating their own currency like Bitcoin Cash or, or you know, many of the forks that have popped up recently or something like Dogecoin. And so if you're looking at just cryptographic tokens rather than Bitcoin as a store of value, um, they're 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 artificially finite. They're not actually finite in real world tangible sense. I think the only chance they have, because of the the fact that the code is open source and can be forked by anybody, is that they try and become better currencies. And so I, I you know that's why I'm interested in, in protocols that try to scale Bitcoin and and other cryptocurrencies because I think that's the only shot this stuff has. Um, the whole store of value thing I kind of see as a you know, a new narrative that's being spun up um, in wake of it not working as a currency. Which are the cryptocurrencies that you find most interesting at the moment? I'm interested in in, in more of the technological side and, and things that are almost kind of theoretical at this point about how how these things might scale. I think nobody's got a silver bullet um, to scaling something like Bitcoin or because these systems are inherently as they're decentralized, they, they insert um, inefficiencies in the name of security, and so it, it's hard to scale. I think um, things that I'm interested in, and one is an implementation called Mimblewimble. Um, there's an implementation of that called Grin that's being built. Um, this addresses many of the scaling concerns with Bitcoin, um, so I like that. And an- another thing that I'm interested in is a, a technology called Spectre slash Phantom. These were two white papers that were released by a bunch of folks out of Israel. Um, and, and these similarly um, are focusing on how you could essentially scale the Bitcoin network um, through you know, newer innovative approaches to what we were talking about with proof of work and the kind of the data structure and stuff like that. Given all of this and, and given some of the issues that, that we're talking about with Bitcoin and also cryptocurrencies in general um, in comparison to like using a bank and using cash, do you think that we will ever see a true universally accepted digital currency? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we already have and I think it's our, our, our existing currencies being digitized um, through applications such as Venmo and Facebook Messenger and Apple Pay. When you go to your local restaurant or cafe and you, you tap your phone and you put your little fingerprint on and it pays automatically um, through Apple Pay, you know, I, I don't think anybody's under the illusion or hopefully they're not that there's, you know, somebody in the background, you know, 
put actually moving cash from one vault to another that isn't what's happening all this stuff is happening digitally and numbers are simply being moved around from you know one person to another right from from uh, your your account is you know being subtracted an amount and amount is being added to the the account of your local coffee shop and so I think you know the bulk of, of the currency that we use today is digital. Um, it, it's it's centralized as, as as in its government issued and um, it's being controlled, you know, typically through banks. But you know, I, the question that I have is whether that is you know uh, whether that is enough of a barrier for people. I think um, I haven't really heard anybody that uses Apple Pay or. Um, any of these technologies saying, oh, it's it's way too slow and expensive. But I have heard a lot of people say that about Bitcoin. Um, and so I, I think in order for, for the, you know, for a digital cryptocurrency to have mainstream adoption, I think it has to catch up with those things in some way. Otherwise, it'll always remain a niche, a niche offering, right? It'll only be useful to people that are trying to hide what they're doing online or, you know, that, you know, for some reason specifically need to protect their money against, you know, government or bank intervention, right? And I would say that's a very limited portion of the market. Now, looking at the success of Dogecoin, how does it make you feel to know that you created this thing as a joke and it turned into something that has so much value? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I use it as a... Um, as a measure of of the of how much I believe in this stuff, you know, which sounds you know kind of snarky, but basically, you know, it's it, the year is twenty eighteen, and a coin, a cryptocurrency with a dog on it, is worth nearly a billion dollars. Like, I think that's a statement that that people need to reflect on before they get too excited about you know digital currency and whether what we're seeing right now is is uh, you know hype. Um, or real substance and you know and I, I get a lot of flack for from people that are saying oh why are you so down on dogecoin you know why are you and I, i'm not down on it I'm, I'm simply saying that um from a rational kind of big picture kind of standpoint um the fact that this this currency that has no real novelty other than it has, having a dog on it being worth that much um you know is very indicative of of some mania going on right and so that's how I kind of see it. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I haven't been involved in the thing for upwards of like, you know, three years now. So, but um, I, I think that I, whenever anybody says, what do you think about, <laughs> you know, cryptocurrency? Should I put my own money into it? I say, well, go and look at, go and look at the, the price of Dogecoin. If, if that doesn't scare you, then sure, <laughs> put, put some money in it. Are cryptocurrencies in a bubble? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yes. <laughs> I, I think, um, I, I don't think anybody rational um, can objectively say that it's not a bubble. I think, yes, um, just just based on its growth trajectory and, and you know, how it, how quickly it, it, it kind of got to where it is right now. The question is like, is it the top of the bubble? How long has it got to go till it pops? Um, all of those questions, and I have no idea. Like, you know, like I said, a dog on a coin is worth $700 million. Like, you know, the world has gone mad. But, um, you know, who knows? Like, I, I think that objectively, yes, it is a bubble. Could it get even bigger? And could the value of Bitcoin be 10x in two years and it still hasn't popped? Sure. Could it all go to zero tomorrow? Sure. Like, it's um, just like any bubble, you know, 
if, if you're able to predict the future, you're, you're going to be a very wealthy person. But, you know, unfortunately, I don't think anybody's cracked that. That interview with Jackson Palmer was recorded in 2018, and a lot has happened in the cryptocurrency space since then. But in particular, the past couple of months have seen a massive rise in the market cap and price of Dogecoin. This seemingly random crypto coming out of nowhere, coming from a few fractions of a penny all the way up to a few cents on its way to who knows what. Dogecoin is over 13 cents and now the 10th largest coin. And at the time of this recording, Dogecoin is trading at around 33 cents. When I recorded that interview with Jackson, Dogecoin had a market cap of 700 million US dollars. And right now, the market cap is around 43 billion. Elon Musk has played a pretty significant role in this growth after he tweeted his support in the currency. This is a short video from TMZ where Elon was asked about his thoughts on Dogecoin. Dogecoin was invented as a joke, as essentially to make fun of cryptocurrency. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why uh, I, th- th- I think there's like an argument, like fate loves irony. Like the most entertaining outcome is the most, like what would be the most ironic outcome? That the, the, that the currency that was invented as a joke, in fact, becomes the real currency. Right. Oh, wow. No, absolutely. So, to the moon. To the moon. Oh, no, Dogecoin is now up around six thousand percent since the beginning of 2021 and investors are trying to push the price towards one dollar and they're doing an awful good job of it in fact if you'd put one thousand dollars into dogecoin at the start of the year you could now buy a tesla but is this value of dogecoin actually sustainable i really have no idea if you look at the dogecoin growth it kind of looks like a bubble But that has been said so many times in the crypto space that it's really hard to tell. All I know is that after we published this story initially, one of our listeners donated a very small amount of Ethereum to us. That Ethereum at the time was worth just a couple of dollars. Now it's worth around 50. And had we taken that $50 worth of Ethereum and purchased Dogecoin at the start of the year, it would now be worth a few thousand dollars. But this is the cryptocurrency space. Anything could happen and anything is possible. Moonshot is a production of Lawson Media and it's hosted by me, Christopher Lawson, and also Andrew Moon. Our artwork comes from the talented Andrew Millist and our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you love the work that we're doing on this show, then you can support us by donating Bitcoin, Ethereum, or even Dogecoin. I'll put our wallet addresses in the episode show notes. And if you'd like to find out more about the podcast or listen to previous episodes, head to moonshot.audio. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening.